football is back. Kind of. It's spring practice time, which means we get an excuse to ask a whole bunch of questions that we probably won't get answers to right away. You are locked on Big Ten, your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, welcome into Locked On Big Ten. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson. Coming up on today's show, we've got a look at everything going on as spring practices start up. Now, a lot of teams won't actually take part in these practices until after their spring breaks, but the window is now open. So as we get into spring football time, where can we look to find the biggest questions answered here in the next few weeks? We'll get into that in just a minute, as well as a look at everything that happened over the weekend in Big Ten basketball. Before we do that, though, today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your 2023 goals. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Terms and conditions apply. All right, let's dive right into what's going on here in spring practice. Now, as I mentioned, uh, Michigan is actually going to start up practicing here this week, but everyone else just about is going to get those spring practices, which you can have 15 of later in this big window in which they can actually get players on the field. Of course, a lot of teams will have spring games, too. Not all of this has even been announced yet, but the window is open. Teams are out on the football fields trying to figure things out. And if you're not aware, because it can be a little weird to figure out, all right, football's going to be played in fall. What are we doing here in spring that is just going to carry over for the next six months? Well, for a lot of teams and a lot of new faces out there, this is the first chapter to try out with what's new. I mean, for Wisconsin, Luke Fickle's the head coach. Matt Rule in Nebraska. Ohio State's got stuff to figure out. Michigan's got stuff to figure out. Everywhere across the Big Ten, there are new things happening. And the reason why people pay attention to this so much is because that when those things go down, it gives us at least maybe a hint of how things are going to start to look in the fall. And it's our first look at that of the season. So let's dive in. Starting at the top. Ohio State, not technically at the top anymore. They're a pretty clear number two after the last couple of seasons. But as far as questions that need to be answered, they may be at the top, which is weird because these questions are about the offense that was the best in the Big Ten outside of when it played Michigan. Ohio State was incredible. C.J. Stroud was incredible. Ryan Day yet again led a powerful, powerful offense, one of the best in the country. But even with all of that, there's word now that he may not be doing all of the play calling, at least not all of the play calling at the start of next season. Brian Hartline, up to now co-offensive coordinator, and is going to, at least from what we get reports of, start sharing some things with Ryan Day as far as play calling responsibilities go here in the spring. Now, this isn't really, I don't think, supposed to be anything against Ryan Day's play calling. The way that he put it in his podium talks is that he really just wants to be able to be more involved in other areas of managing this team being a better overall head of the program. So if you allow Brian Hartline to take over some of the play calling duties on offense, then you have more time to get other things done. I have no idea what happens by the end of this spring season or the start of next season in the fall. But I do think that 
the Ohio State Buckeyes would not be doing these things so publicly, uh, promoting Hartline, talking about how he's going to start at least trying out calling plays. I, I don't think all that happens if at least by the fall, Hartline's not doing like 40-50% of the play calling. I imagine that this is something that is starting a transition that I think Ohio State believes in, and they're probably just being a little hesitant to go all out on it right now because, well, I mean, we don't know how well it's going to work still. Again, this is the point of the spring practices. Get Brian Hartline some opportunities to work with some plays and call some plays and get things in a real football situation, if not a real game situation. You get a real football situation here where you can test out this theory of maybe things will work better with Hartline calling the plays. I don't know how the balance ends up exactly, but as I said, I would imagine that if Hartline is doing this now, he's doing it with the intention or the belief that he's going to be the one calling the plays at some point. If I had to guess, I would say that this is at least some sort of long transitional plan where at the end of the day, Brian Hartline is announced as the full-time play caller. But at a very, very minimum, I would say again, I venture to say at the bottom end of the projections, like 40-50% of the plays are getting called by Brian Hartline, if not more. And if it gets to that 40-50%, there's also, at least in my head, a little bit of a belief like, all right, just hand it all over to him then. If he's going to be doing that, why bother taking up any of Ryan's day's time if he wants to be a better manager of the program and Hartline's going to be doing half the play calling anyway? Why not just give it over to him? So maybe it's like this year, it's half and half and we see what happens and maybe he takes over fully next year. I don't know, but this is a situation where it's not like, I don't think they're actually testing out to see if he's going to call plays at all. I think that has maybe already been decided unless something goes wrong with whatever it is that happens here in the spring. I think Hartline's going to be at least in some way calling plays on offense for Ohio State. But who's going to be running those plays is another question. C.J. Stroud is gone. So who takes over, Kyle McCord or Devin Brown? A couple of highly touted recruits, a couple of guys who have been working, obviously, behind Stroud this entire time. Uh, not really exactly like the Drew Aller that we're going to talk about here in just a minute. So it's a true competition, and we're going to learn a lot about who these quarterbacks are. This is maybe the most intriguing new little battle of the spring is who wins out between Kyle McCord and Devin Brown to become the new quarterback of the most explosive offense in all of the Big Ten. So who takes over those two roles? I mean, it shapes what Ohio State's season is next year. And honestly, it probably shapes what Ohio State is for the next few years to come, too. Who is under center? Who is calling plays? The Ohio State offense has been what has made its bread and butter. This is everything for him. So if Ohio State's offense falters at all, we might start to see this team start to slip a little bit more even, but I don't know if I expect too much of that. Next question I have over at Iowa, you've got Cade McNamara coming in with a second chance working under Brian Ferentz, who is working on what seems to be like his 10th chance. Two guys looking for redemption, looking for people to believe in them in ways that they haven't so far. Cade McNamara was fine at Michigan, but J.J. McCarthy really clearly took over and to be honest, everyone really liked J.J. McCarthy, too. People were calling for him while Cade McNamara was just doing okay throughout his time at Michigan. Finally takes over. McNamara heads to the bench. McNamara heads to Iowa. Meanwhile, Brian Ferentz, who a whole lot of people want to see out of Iowa, is still there. Son of the head coach, under a new restructured deal that is really the first sign of any sort of 
I, I guess you can't say discipline because it's not like he did something formally wrong. But I guess any sort of acknowledgement that Iowa might not believe in this guy as their OC. He's the coach's son. And at this point, I don't know if there's anything that could be said or could be done for you to make to make you really believe that he'll be gone ever unless he wants to walk away from this team. But at the very least, you've started to see those wheels turn in motion with what is a minuscule pay cut in what this new restructured contract is. And you get to at least get him another opportunity where it's like, all right, you know what? We've got a guy now in Cade McNamara who is one in the Big Ten. Yes, maybe Michigan's talent is a little bit different than what Iowa has. But we know that this guy can throw the football. So it's no longer on Spencer Petras. It's no longer on everything else with Iowa. It's pretty much, hey, Brian Ferentz, this is your show. Cade McNamara, this is your team. Do something. Because Cade McNamara is a fine quarterback, but Ferentz is, of course, a guy who we've been questioning for a while, who Iowa fans have been questioning for a while. And especially after this new deal, he, he takes a very small hit in the actual money he's getting, but in the perception of him and his job at Iowa, this was, again, that first little breadcrumb that suggests maybe I was losing some belief in him in the same way that we had seemingly a long time ago. Or at the very least, maybe they're starting to actually act on something that maybe they've known all along and that this guy has not been cutting it so far. I don't know what happens there again. I don't think there's any way Kirk Ferentz is just getting rid of his own son, especially after what we've seen so far. I would have thought that would have happened already. But there is, at some point, something that has to be the last straw. And it seems like me maybe getting there and getting there a whole lot quicker if Brian Ferentz can't at least make Cade McNamara look competent in a way that we already know he is. Like, if Cade McNamara comes out and is just flat-out worse here at Iowa than he was at Michigan, like, yeah, the stats may not be the same. Again, it's not the same roster, it's not the same team, it's not the same talent level. But at the very least, if Cade McNamara comes out and he's just, I mean, if, if the offense is the same as it was, that I think is a telltale sign that this is not some sort of manpower problem, recruiting problem. It's a problem with the offensive coordinator, which is something that we've suspected and have been making accusations of for a long time and in Iowa. Finally, we talked about it for a second, but who and how good is Drew Aller? I guess we know a lot about who he is. Six foot five, NFL quarterback, body, and a five-star recruit who could possibly put Penn State over the top. And that's really the real question here. I believe this guy's going to be really good. I believe that the hype is real behind what he's going to be able to do at Penn State. I, you can't obviously ever predict like, okay, best in the country, top five in the country, what he'll need to be to be able to compete in the Big Ten. You can't say he's never going to be that good. But if he is going to get to that point, he's got to be pretty good here as he starts out. And there's an opportunity here with Penn State kind of really getting back into the real, real contender status. With Ohio State losing a big, big chunk of its offense and Michigan bringing back a lot of its. But Penn State still, I think, is improving right alongside there in returning talent. And again, Drew Aller could be that extra piece to put it over the top. We talked about it before. Penn State in the SP Plus rankings from ESPN, it fifth behind just Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and Alabama. That is an expectation that Penn State has not had at the start of a season for quite a while. 
And if Drew Allert can come out and immediately be an impactful player and quarterback, I think Penn State's set up to succeed here. I think Penn State has the opportunity to get to that peak and hit it at the perfect time with the situations of the other powerful teams in the Big Ten, Michigan and Ohio State, where they could then top one of those schools this season. Because that's been the story the last couple of years. Penn State loses to those two teams, but pretty much beats everyone else. There's three clear tiers. There's the Michigan-Ohio State tier, there's Penn State by itself, and then everybody else is below that. So if you want to believe that Penn State is going to be able to get over that hump this season, you have to believe that Drew Aller is the guy. And while the Ohio State quarterback battle is probably going to be the most watched as far as an actual competition, what Drew Aller is doing here in the spring game I think will be much more closely watched across the Big Ten, across the country, because I feel like everyone in Nittany Lions fan base and across what they've seen from him is believing that this is the real kind of deal. The real question for me is, how does he get off the ground running? Is he able to do it right away? Because if he is, I think there's the opportunity there for Penn State to have it this season. Coming up, we're going to go over some more basketball stuff. The bracketology interest or the back bracketology situation is getting interesting here as we hit the last couple of weeks of the season we've got a whole bunch of teams in a couple of teams making big moves up and down and a couple of teams who are playing okay and doing well but do they have enough time to get back into the ncaa tournament picture before it's too late we'll talk about that here in just a minute on locked on big 10 before we do that today's episode is brought to you by linkedin jobs LinkedIn is the place to go if you want to find someone for your business. You've got all sorts of new goals you want to accomplish in 2023, and getting to those goals means having the right people. And if your company is changing at all what it's doing, that could very well mean new positions are available. And it's key when you're starting these new ventures to get everything done right, right off the bat. So you ought to find the right person for the job and you can do it at LinkedIn Jobs. In fact, if you head on over to LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege, you can post your job for free. Get it out in front of some of the biggest and best minds on LinkedIn, which, of course, are some of the biggest and best minds in the world because LinkedIn's the largest professional social media platform out there. Head over to LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege to post your job for free, for free, and get that right person in your office in your workplace as soon as possible so that they can start helping you achieve your company's goals in 2023. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college, linkedin.com slash locked on college today. All right, let's dive into basketball from over the weekend, starting with an update on bracketology. Uh, Purdue no longer a consensus number one seed after again losing this time to Maryland. 1.01, their average seeding across what is 108 brackets on Bracket Matrix. Again, Bracket Matrix takes all the brackets it can find, combines all their average seedings for teams together to give us a better all-around idea of where teams project this field of 68. The next team is Indiana, who's on the way up on a rise. They're at a 4.19 average seed. Northwestern's even better in what they've been doing as of late, up to a 6.13 average seed. Surprising to see and think about just how not long ago they were barely in this field. Illinois is at an average 6.84, Maryland a 7.01, Iowa 7.22, and Michigan State 7.68. Rutgers is at an 8.22, and Wisconsin is on the way up as well, now appearing in more than half, 66 of 108 brackets. Badgers 
very firmly right on the edge of that tournament bubble. And also Penn State making an appearance in a couple of brackets again. They're in two of 108 brackets. We'll talk more about Penn State here in just a minute. Over the weekend, Northwestern, we mentioned, one of the hottest teams in the Big Ten and one of the biggest risers in bracket projections because of that streak absolutely dominated Iowa. 80-60 to 60 the final score. Iowa never led the entire way. Iowa only shot three of 24 from three. So for Iowa, it was just another one of those games where the consistency wasn't there. And I've said before, their roster is not deep enough for them to be able to win when that consistency isn't there. I have been saying for a while also that that doesn't normally bode well for a team's NCAA tournament chances. But we'll see what happens as Iowa continues to go on and they struggle in this one. For Northwestern, they just continue to roll. Boo Booey, great again. Uh, Chase Adige did not have that big of a game just in what he was doing. Wasn't that involved in actually make, taking shots and trying to be a big scorer. Ends up taking only seven shots in this one. But Northwestern, again, just easily rolls over Iowa and the Hawkeyes. And now all of a sudden, Northwestern is in the race for the Big Ten, like in it, in it. We mentioned this already before, and it was like, okay, if Purdue can lose a couple of more games and Northwestern is somehow able to stay this hot, then maybe they got a shot. But now that stuff's already happened. We're like halfway to it happening. Northwestern is legitimately a Big Ten title contender, which again, is just insane, given how, what was it, three weeks ago now only? It was locked up, Purdue. Like just... Done, decided, end of discussion. Now Northwestern technically at a game and a half back, but only a game back in the loss column. And it has the tiebreaker over the Boilermakers, of course. So let's see what happens the rest of the way here. Northwestern and the Wildcats. It could be potentially the best story in college basketball if they could pull this off. They're going to have a very fun end to the season trying to make a run at it, I know. Michigan stayed real hot again. Got a win over Michigan State. Of course, big rivalry win helps them once more. And the way that Michigan does it is just a little bit more impressive as of late. Uh, Hunter Dickinson, I've mentioned, he's been a step behind what like Zach Eady and Trace Jackson Davis have been doing as far as Big Ten superstars at the forward spots or center spot, of course, with Eady. But with what he's been able to do alongside his teammates during this good stretch of play is what really has me convinced Michigan could be legit good again. Because I was thinking that if Michigan was going to do it, it's like, all right, Dickinson's just going to have to start doing what Edie's doing and getting a minimum of like 25 and 10 every game, which I have said, and I still say that I don't really know if he has that in him. But in this one, he was one of like, I think, five or six Michigan players to get to double digits. He only ended up with 17, had himself a day where he was effective. He was himself, but he wasn't dominating. He wasn't taking over things on offense. He didn't have to. So Michigan gets itself another win. And the big question becomes for a team like Michigan and a team like Penn State is how much time do we have left and how much ground can we make up? Uh, Michigan's rest of the schedule. They've got all four tournament teams, Illinois, Indiana, again, they'll play Rutgers. It's a schedule that has plenty of good wins on it. But even if Michigan goes 4-0 the rest of the way, I don't know if that gets them safe. I don't think, first of all, that Michigan goes 4-0. Again, they've been playing really well, but they've only won three out of their last five. It's just been how competitive and good they've looked that has me more confident. So even if Michigan were to win all four of those games, which I don't think they would, when you're looking at how it stands right now, I don't think that has them any sort of safely in. The point is, we're at a point where obviously everyone's extremely desperate. 
if you're not right now comfortably in the NCAA tournament. And for a team like a Michigan or a Penn State that is pretty clearly like at least five, six teams out on most boards, you've got a situation where they're not going to be able to go into the Big Ten tournament and being comfortable here, right? Like everyone is going to have to go into Indianapolis with work to do, even if Michigan and Penn State win out the rest of the day, rest of the year. That's all that it really is, is on when you get to when you get to your conference tournament time, at least if I'm a bubble team, when I've covered bubble teams, when I've rooted for bubble teams, my goal has always been like, all right, we're right there on the edge in February. How about by the time March starts, we make things comfortable by the time we get to the conference tournament? Because whether we're playing great basketball or not, it's one and done when you get to that point. And you don't want to have to need three or four games to win when you know that just one slip up against one of the Big Ten's not so great teams could easily end your season. So I was always saying, all right, let's just get safe by March. It's past that point now, obviously, as we hit the 20th and get to the end of the month. These two teams are going to need to do some work. I don't know if there's enough room for them to either get in and we'll see what happens. But I do believe that at least Michigan is playing itself into being a tournament team talent in my mind, even though the numbers right now say they're still very far away. And Penn State's another one. Uh, again, senior experience, senior leadership. You know that they want this really, really bad. So they're going to go all out here. I just don't know if there's enough time left with what the way Big Ten tournament is. I would love to be able to say, hey, let's get them safely in by the time that we hit the Big Ten tourney, but we're just past that point. We'll finish up here with Big Ten news in just a moment. But first, Built Bar is the place to go for all of your protein needs. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And you've heard plenty about Built Bar if you've been listening to the show. They've got new flavors coming out all the time. Coconut brownie, almond, all sorts of new great things that they have every single day, it seems, coming out. But in reality, it's probably like a few weeks and things that they give us something new to tell people about. But the point is, they're always coming out with new flavors and new ways to try and make sure that you can get your protein in a way that's actually enjoyable for you too. Because while there's all sorts of different products out there and they all seem to have the same health benefits, and believe me, Bilt Bar has that too. 17 grams of protein, less than four grams of net carbs and sugars, less than 130 calories. They also just have that taste factor and they're trying to get you that one flavor that gets you hooked. It's there, I promise. If you go over to Bilt.com, Go check out everything that they have for you. Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar at Built.com. All right, let's wrap up with news from around the Big Ten. Let's start with the women's basketball Big Ten title. It goes to Indiana, at least for a share in the regular season. Obviously, we've got a whole lot of basketball left to play. But the Hoosiers, number two team in the country, have clinched at least a share of the women's Big Ten regular season title this season. So, It'll be the Hoosiers at the top of the bracket in the Big Ten, unless somebody else can tie them and get that tiebreaker back. I, I forget who the last day would, I guess, be Iowa waiting for them. I, I actually didn't take a look at those Big Ten standings before we got in. But the point is, is that I didn't have to because we know that at least Big Indiana has the share. Uh, players of the week on the basketball court, Penn State's Jalen Pickett wins on the men's side. He did have an outstanding week, a couple of big nights for him. And Indiana's McKenzie Holmes on the women's side. Gets player of the week honors as her team, again, clinches that share of the Big Ten title. 
Big Ten also has a bunch of nominations for the AAI Award, the most outstanding female gymnast in the country. Of course, gets of course gets the award every single day, every single year. Uh, the nominees from the Big Ten: Nebraska's Clara Colombo, Michigan's Sierra Brooks, Ohio State's Alexis Edwards, Rutgers's Hannah Joyner, Iowa's Adeline Kenlin, Minnesota's Hallie Remlinger, Penn State's Cassidy Rushlow, and Illinois's Mia Takakawa. A whole lot of Big Ten names is. Big Ten is obviously a great gymnastics conference. In other Player of the Week awards, Rutgers' is Kylie Sand is the Softball Player of the Week. That's the second week in a row that she's won it in the second week of the season as she is off to a hot start for the Scarlet Knights. In other news, Ohio State has won the 2023 Big Ten Women's Swimming and Diving Championships over the weekend. Congratulations to the Buckeyes. And also, a new coach over at Penn State for field hockey, Lisa Bervinchek Love, named the Penn, Stock, Penn State field hockey coach. She is a former Nittany Lion player as well. That's all for Locked On Big Ten here today. Nate Dickinson with you every single weekday to give you everything you need to know on what's going on with the conference. Make sure to make Locked On your Big Ten your first listen every day. But when you're done, make your second listen Locked On College Basketball. Experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, hear from big-name experts coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. Locked on College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. I'll be back tomorrow with more. Again, follow Locked on Big Ten wherever you get your podcasts, too, and on YouTube and on Twitter. It's at Locked on Big Ten, one zero at the end, not T-E-N, when you're typing it out. I'm Nate Dickinson at 8 with Sports with Locked on.